Best you open up to Mark chapter 14. Mark, out of all the Gospels, is interesting as we look at Peter's life because really Mark is what, what most people believe, recounting the eyewitness account of Peter himself. And so, so here you have an account here in Mark. Really quick, I want to, while, while you're there, I want, I want you to hear a question that our Lord asked Peter. He said, Simon, son of John. Hey, that's Peter. The Lord says, do you love me? Do you, do you love the Lord? Peter's heart must have been heavy. He was sitting on the beach that morning. He'd already gone back out fishing. They're now sitting on the sand. They just had breakfast with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the third time Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? He'd already said yes two times. What else is he supposed to say? He's still under the shame and the burden of the denial. And yet our Lord asks a third time, Peter, do you love me? I have two questions for you this morning. First, have you ever failed so miserably that you've wondered if God could ever really forgive you? And I'm not just talking to unbelievers. I'm talking to believers. Have you ever failed so miserably that you've wondered somehow if God could ever really forgive you? And secondly, do you believe God's grace is bigger than your failures. God responds in mercy to sinning and failing people. I want you to get that. Just key in on that statement. God responds in mercy to sinning and failing people. First of all, we're going to see the fall. Look at Mark chapter 14, verse 27. And Jesus said to them, the disciples, now notice what he says to all the disciples there, you will all fall away. For it is written, and now he quotes Zechariah 13, 7, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Now, what has just happened? They just, they were just in the upper room. Jesus initiated what we are about to observe this morning, which was the Lord's Supper. They sang a hymn. Jesus quotes Scripture. And guess who doesn't believe? Peter. It's so easy to sit in a room with Jesus in a very, on a very important occasion and then to sing a hymn and then to hear Jesus quote Scripture and still respond with unbelief. Look at verse 28. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, who's they all? The other disciples. Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Folks, that is a very short time frame. It almost seems like something in his own strength he could have prevented. Verse 31, but he, Peter, said emphatically, 
If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Peter was so confident in himself and so unbelieving to the Lord's words that he was ripe for failure. That night, Jesus endured six trials, three at the hands of the Jews, three civil trials before the Roman authorities. And what is interesting is not all the Gospels record all of the trials. As a matter of fact, John only records one of those trials. But do you know what every Gospel writer records? Every Gospel writer records all three denials of the Apostle Peter. They're trying to highlight something. God, through the inspiration of His Word, is trying to lift up a warning. All four writers record all three denials. Look at verse 54. And Peter had followed him, Jesus, at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. That would have been the natural place to be on a cold evening, was by the fire. Verse 66 And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also. Meaning with John, who probably had already gone inside, Peter's outside. You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. By the way, children, we call that lying. Peter, the apostle, just lied. Now, remember what he had just said before. Though all others deny it, not me. Peter had seen himself standing arm to arm with Jesus before the Sanhedrin being tried. And now he folds under the innocent questioning of a servant girl. Peter overestimated his own strength. Peter now feels trapped, so he begins to move towards the entry gate. Look at verse 68, the second part. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. Verse 69, and the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. Now remember, just a little while earlier, what did Peter say? I'm going to follow you to death. Though all others deny you, I will not. Now he's cursing and he's swearing and he's lying. Look at verse 72. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And notice Peter's response. He broke down and wept. The Scriptures don't tell us where Peter went that night. Perhaps he went back to the garden. Perhaps he went back to the upper room. Perhaps he found some quiet, dark alleyway in Jerusalem and wept. What we do know is how he felt. He felt the intense grief of denial and the bitterness of regret. 
This may be one of the most stunning and remarkable failures in all Christian history because it involves the Apostle Peter, the one chosen to lead the rock. Peter was warned not only that he would fall, but the details of how and when he would fail. So what led to the fall of the Apostle Peter? Because often the disciples are presented as either total fools or as flawless, and neither of those is true. And we should take comfort that neither of those is true. But what led the Apostle Peter to fall so miserably? Did Peter love the Lord? Yes. Did he listen to the Lord's teaching? Yes. And how could he fall? First, if you study the passages, Peter was self-confident. And second, he failed to believe Jesus' words. Not all of them, but he failed to submit to the entire teaching and preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was blind to his own self-will and he was blind to his own lack of submission. Folks, this is a problem, not just in spiritual leadership, but in Christianity overall. We have our own blind spots in leadership and our own blind spots to submission. Peter evidences this back in Mark. Let me just read you a portion out of Mark chapter 8. When Jesus began to teach them, that's the disciples, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again, he said this plainly. Okay, so he's, he's, he's communicating very clearly what is going to happen, that Jesus must die as the Messiah. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again the third day. But listen to what Peter's, Peter does. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Earlier on, we're already back in Mark chapter 8, Peter is already showing his lack of submission to his Lord and his lack of faith in his words. Jesus gives a very clear warning to Peter personally in Luke. He said, Simon, Simon, that's Peter. Behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. Jesus responds, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, the idea there is repented, when you have turned back. So Jesus already knows that when Satan comes to sift Peter as wheat, it is going to be an intense sifting. But Peter, I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Now Peter falls and fails But his faith ultimately does not. And he says, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. See, God still has designed Peter to be a leader of the apostles. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Okay, Peter, did you not just hear what the Son of God just told you? Satan himself has asked for you to sift you and you say, no, I'm ready to go. Let's go. A lack of submissiveness and self-confidence. And then, this is Luke's account. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you even know me. Jesus quotes Zechariah 13.7. Peter assumes his trustworthiness over the other disciples' trustworthiness. In Mark 14, 29 states, Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, 
I will not. And this is where we may be very much like Peter. We may walk with the Lord. We may talk a lot about the Lord. We may sit and boast of what we have done or what we have given to the Lord. We may sit at a table of communion. We may listen to His teaching and obey most of it. We may boast of our own faithfulness and highlight other people's compromise and weakness. And we may even be passionate about a cause that involves Jesus. You remember, it was Peter who unsheathed his sword and cut off Malchus's ear. See, there was a point where he was passionate about a cause and ready to fight, but he was misguided. I want you to look at one detail. Turn to Luke 22. Because Luke adds a particular detail not found in the other accounts. Luke chapter 22, verse 60. Luke 22, verse 60, but Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, note note this detail, while he was still speaking, by the way, while he was still lying, while he was still denying, while he was saying he didn't even know Jesus. Notice what Luke says. While he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and what? Looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, I am fairly certain that the look of our Lord to Peter was not one of anger, Because Jesus isn't surprised that Peter denied him. I'm not even sure that it's one of total disappointment because Jesus had already prophesied this would happen. But I think it was a shepherd's look at someone he loves, whom he had tried to warn and in his own self-confidence became blind and arrogant and failed miserably and feels the bitterness and the sting of regret. And he looks with a look of empathy, perhaps even of restoration. He knew from that point on Peter would run out and would have a very difficult three days. How does a disciple fall? How do we fall? We fall when we are not fully submitted to the Lord and His Word. We fall when we walk by sight and not by faith. We fall when we boast of our own spirituality before others. And we fall when we undermine each other. This is the path that Peter took. Jesus warned Peter in the garden that his flesh is weak. God does not need great vows, great boasts of our faithfulness. He does not need extravagant gifts from a mechanical heart. Psalm 51.17, David knew the same pain of failure. And in Psalm 51, he says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Peter was great at impulsive vows. He was not great at this point in his life at believing the simple words of the Lord Jesus Christ. After Jesus' death, the next statement we have about Peter is in Mark. Mark 16, verse 7. 
where on the first day of the week, the ladies go to anoint the body of Jesus in the tomb with spices. They go in. There's an angel. It says there's a young man dressed in white. And he says, why do you seek for the living among the dead? And then he says, go tell the disciples. And I love this. And then Mark's going to include this detail because Peter would have remembered it. And Mark is recording Peter's eyewitness account. The angel says, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they led him. Note, note what the angel says next. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. Well, Peter was a disciple. Why, why isolate him out now? Because guess who would have thought he wasn't invited? Guess who would have thought he was just banished from this group of followers of the Christ? Here you have an angelic being singling Peter out. Go tell Peter. Let Peter know he's welcome too. Let Peter know the good news. Let Peter know to be there. And on that Sunday morning, there were five resurrection appearances that day. The first two go to women, Mary Magdalene and other women. Guess who gets the third one? Peter. Grace unmeasured, vast and free. We don't have any details about it. Perhaps it's too personal. Perhaps one day we'll know. But the first man who sees the resurrected Christ is the one who had just denied Him. They said in Luke 24, 34, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Now, turn to John 21. So you have this you have this eyewitness account. You have Peter and Jesus making this initial restoration. But something is still lacking because Peter's denial was public. Peter's denial was open. John 21, look at verse 1. We're going to read through this quick, so just, just mark these texts down. After this, Jesus revealed Himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and He revealed Himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two others of His disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Now, this is not sport fishing. They're fishing for business, for profit. They said to Him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Verse for just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because that's happened before. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish that disciple whom Jesus loved, now we're reading in John, and this is how John refers to himself, that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, and now just, you can hear the water coming up on the side of the boat, the sun's rising, they just caught a huge catch of fish, they'd been out there all night, seasoned fishermen caught nothing, day is breaking, now, now the fish can actually see the nets a little bit, Jesus simply says, cast it on the other side, they catch this huge net load of fish. And John, in the midst of all this, you can almost see him holding on to the net. John looks over to Peter. It's the Lord. 
When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. I love that. The beauty and the joy of restoration. He threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the full net of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Look at verse 9. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Simon Peter goes over aboard, hauls the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. An invitation for fellowship. An invitation to share a meal. By the way, what happened? What just happened? What did Peter just do? He failed miserably. He disbelieved the words of Christ. He lied. He cursed. He denied. Jesus says, come have breakfast. Come sit in close proximity to me and enjoy a meal. And really there is an encouragement here for all failing sinners. Come have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Verse 13, Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, look at verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. Now, remember, the other disciples are there. They finished breakfast. They just had this fellowship meal And Jesus looks to Peter and he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than what? More than than the fish? Maybe. Probably what he is referring to is more than the other disciples. Because isn't that what Peter said? Though all fall, Lord, I will not. Though all betray you, though all show weakness, oh no, I'm there by your side. Do you love me more than these? Let me draw, let me, don't turn there, but let me, let me draw you back to Mark 14. Peter said to Jesus, even though they all fall away, I will not After Jesus asks Peter the first time, he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And that was true. And Peter said, Feed my lambs. Or Jesus said to Peter, Feed my lambs. See, see, Jesus still has a mission for Peter that his sin could not thwart. Second time, verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Now you have different words going back and forth. You have sheep, you have lambs, you have tend, you have feed, you have different forms of love. But I I want us to highlight and remember one particular point about all of this. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Because he said to him the third time, do you love me? 
And he said to him, now notice what he adds on this third response. Lord, you know everything. You see, Peter, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. No way. Uh Uh-uh. Not me, Lord. Lord, you know everything. You were right. I was self-confident. I was arrogant. I was harsh. I was unsubmissive. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Why did the Lord do this in front of the other men? Because as a leader, public denial warrants public restoration. Because Jesus still wants Peter to lead this band of disciples. You're going to see him preaching. He's one of, the, he's one of two key personalities in the book of Acts, which covers the first 33 years of church history. Jesus still has a plan for Peter, even though he failed miserably, but he must now be restored publicly. And it's beautiful what happens here. Three times Peter calls Jesus Lord. Lord, you know that I... Lord, you know. Yes, Lord, I love you. He is now submitted to Jesus as His King, as His Sovereign, as His Lord. Three times Peter says to Jesus, you know. Verse 15, 16, and 17. On the final response, he says, you know all things. Lord, 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 three times. You know, you know, you know all things. There's this submissiveness to his words now. Three times Peter says, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Three times our Lord commissions Peter with the same task. And it's not fishing. It's feeding and tending sheep. Here's what makes Peter such an effective leader after his restoration. Peter now understands that his devotion to the Lord is not superior to the other disciples. And that his devotion to the Lord hinges upon his humility and his faith in God's words. Peter knows this. Matter of fact, the letter that we're about to study together, 1 Peter, he'll write this. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Right? Like I hadn't towards the other disciples. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. See, Peter understood by experience that pride goes before a... A fall. But but God gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus is going to now make another prediction. Not Not that Peter is going to fail and deny Him three times, but look at verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, talking to Peter, When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death 
he was to glorify God. See, in the future, Peter, there's going to be another opportunity for you to confess your love for me publicly at great cost. Verse 19, and after saying this, he said to Peter, follow me. And guess what Peter does? He follows his Lord. Peter fails miserably. He is restored gloriously. And he follows the Lord faithfully. And that can be true of you this morning. Where you have failed miserably that you've wondered if God could even forgive you. Even use you again. Even allow you to be effective for kingdom work. You have this beautiful illustration of the Apostle Peter who fails miserably but is so graciously restored. Jesus knows what is in us. I love what he says earlier after he says that Satan desires to sift you. He tells Peter, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter found that out. Peter found out the flesh is weak. When we do fail, we must remember what Jesus said to Peter before his failure. Jesus said personally to Peter, I have prayed for you. The Lord is still the great intercessor. I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Scripture says, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is the great restorer of failures who turn back to Him. Who humbly bow before the throne of God and let Him restore us by His grace. What's beautiful is Peter's failure does not ultimately define him. We think about it. Sin has consequences in this life. But ultimately, it's not Peter's failure that defines him. It's God's grace and restoration that define Peter. He is a trophy of God's grace. Return, watch and pray, and follow Christ. Pure and Richard Sibb stated, There is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. Do you believe that? Well, if you confess your sin... Unbeliever, if you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Believer, failure, denier, liar, cursor, you have a gracious Lord who welcomes you to take breakfast, to fellowship, to be restored. He welcomes you to a meal because His grace is based not upon your merit and your righteousness, but because of His broken body and His shed blood.